Hey, hey, friends. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Emma. And you're listening to Foyer Chats. Here in the foyer, we talk all things business, lifestyle, and everything in between. Come for the coffee shop style chats. Leave with a fire under your booty to take on all the things. All right, Emma, you ready to dive in? Heck yeah, let's go. Hey, hey, friend, you are listening to the Foyer Chats podcast. We are your host, Emma Jo Wasink and Kelsey Pazma. Today, we are talking all things financial planning when it comes to running your own business and more importantly, when it comes to running your own life. Our friend Leanne Ron, a fiduciary financial advisor, joins us today and gives us so, so many tactical tips and tools on how to make a financial plan that is truly right for you. Leanne specializes in working with newlywed couples and small business owners that are ready to take control of not only their finances, but their lives. Buckle up, you guys. This is about to be real good. Hey, Leanne. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to further get to know you and talk about all the finance, you know, all these big terms that sound intimidating to people who are not in your field. So I would like you, first of all, to kind of spill the tea. Tell us what exactly you do, what a fiduciary is, independent financial advisor, all of that, and what you specialize in. Yeah. So like Kelsey said, I am a fiduciary financial advisor. And so I help clients with investing and financial planning. And the key word there, like Kelsey said, is fiduciary. And fiduciary is kind of a weird word and not a lot of people know what that means. And it's something to look out for in the financial industry world. So right around 90% of advisors in the financial industry world are non-fiduciaries, which leaves right around 10% that are fiduciaries. So what actually does that word mean? Well, being a fiduciary gives me a legal obligation to put my client's best interest first, which I literally say that all the time. And every time I say it, it still blows my mind that that's even a thing, that there's non-fiduciaries, right? It's, It's crazy, but... It's true. And so what that looks like in a tangible example is a non-fiduciary, if they are recommending investment products within your portfolio, they could actually be earning a commission off of what you're invested in or what they sell you. So it becomes a very transactional relationship where on the flip side, a fiduciary We don't sell products. The only investments and the advice we're giving you is truly in your best interest. And we have that legal obligation to kind of back that good faith up. Okay, I have a follow-up question. So maybe this is silly, but why would someone go to a non-fiduciary? Like, is there a benefit there? I'm sure there's like some pros and cons. Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, fiduciaries are kind of a a new thing. Not that they haven't been around, but the word hasn't gotten out. And so the non-fiduciary side has been the norm and that's what people know. And I think that's why a lot of advisors get a bad rep because of all these past experiences with non-fiduciaries where they're not putting their best interest first, or like I mentioned earlier, it's a very transactional relationship. And so 
I can't really give you a reason on why people would go to non-fiduciaries. And I'm not saying there aren't good faith, you know, great people that are out there for advisors who are non-fiduciaries. It's just, like I said, fiduciaries are kind of making their way and people are starting to understand that, hold on, there's a whole other side to the financial advising world. Okay, so... First off, I love that we literally just dived right into the nitty gritty of all this. (laughs) It's exactly what I like to do. So this is great. Um, I, I was just, I was mind blown when we talked to Leanne about this before, to be completely honest. I had no idea that that was even, yeah, a, a thing or an option to not do that. But it's so, so good to hear and the importance of finding the right financial advisor. So we'll dive into that. Um, a little bit more deeply later on. But let's talk about you real quick. Pause with the <laughs> all the really good business knowledge. We want to hear about you. Who are you? Who's Leanne? How did you get started on this career path? Um, yeah, let's hear it all. Yeah, so my name is Leanne, as you guys already mentioned, and I am married. My husband and I have been married for just a little over two years, and we have our dog, Skye, who is a mini golden doodle puppy. I always say she's a puppy. She's like two years old. <laughs> yes, I have a one-year-old mini golden doodle. Yay, I didn't know you did. You're like the third person that we've had on here, and we've only recorded like 10, ep- not even 10 episodes, and you're the third person that has said a golden doodle, so I feel like I need to <laughs> get on you guys' level. They're the, it's because they're the best, right? They are. They are. No, it's it's funny, side note, but Sky like does not look like a golden doodle. Her curls are so tight. She looks definitely more the poodle side, but still love her. She's the sweetest. Anyway, <laughs> besides my dog. We live in Hudsonville, Michigan. Both my husband and I grew up on the west side of Michigan and love it over here. We love being at the lake, camping, hiking, anything outdoors. I'm super competitive, so I love playing sports with my husband and sports with friends. And let's see. Oh, I am also a plant mom. I love my indoor plants, so I have plenty of those. And yeah, I think that's a little bit about the personal side of things, but I'll kind of touch on the business side of things and how I got into my career. So I got my first job when I was 16. I was told I was going to have to pay for gas when I got my car. And go your parents. (laughs) Go mom. Anyway, so I got my first paycheck and I just had this natural reaction to sit down and plan how I wanted to spend my money. And honestly, I... I don't know where I got that from. I don't know. No one taught me that. It just felt very natural and I thought it was very normal. And so, you know, going through high school, earning my own money, I kind of always made a plan. And if you can't tell already, I'm a very big planner, probably a good profession I went into. But making a plan with my money, I quickly found out was not normal, especially for my age and as you know, this young adult and teenager. And even the more I started to talk with adults, it wasn't always a normal thing. And that kind of blew my mind. And I realized that money can be a very stressful topic just from growing up and seeing that. But also, like I said, realizing that having a good handle on your money isn't always a norm, right? 
And so then I kind of got interested in this and took a personal finance class in high school, which is crazy because it was an elective. And I, this could be a whole other topic, how it's not a requirement for high schoolers to take personal finance. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But I took this personal finance class and I just fell in love with the techniques and the strategies and just the behavioral side of it. And then I realized there's a whole profession for this and that I can just help people and educate people and guide them along this path. And that's when I said, hey, I'm going to become an advisor. So started out at college for that degree, graduated with a degree in personal financial planning and got set up right away with a company who are fiduciaries. And now I'm here. My gosh, that's crazy that you started this journey like in high school, you were like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to help people. And also 1000% agree, this should be a requirement in high school and middle school, in elementary school. <laughs> like this needs to be started from the get-go, would save all of us a lot of time and stress and money. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And you have a couple different specialties, right? So what was that like kind of figuring out what what areas of financial planning and personal planning that you like? Yeah, that's a great question. So I specialize families who have special needs, children, woman entrepreneurs, and engaged couples and newlywed couples. So kind of three different groups there. And I relate to all three. I have a younger sister who has Down syndrome, which really drew my passion to helping families with special needs. And woman entrepreneurs, I'm in that same boat. I've been there. I'm here. I'm going through the stages and I'm passionate about helping people succeed, whether they're just starting off or they're 10 years in. And speaking to newlyweds and engaged, at the time, that was my life. Like I was engaged. I was a newlywed and I still consider myself a newlywed. I mean, two years in, but I really do have this passion about helping two people become one and have financial intimacy because people grow up completely different. They have completely different mindsets when it comes to money. And when you bring that together in marriage, there can be a lot of conflict and a lot of tension there because you've never done that before. It's always been your way with your money. And I am really passionate about just helping that be a smooth transition and to set you guys up for success, not only now in the beginning stages, but also continue that success through marriage. Okay. I have never heard financial intimacy, that word those words be put together before. And that is so brilliant. We need to dive more into that in a minute because that is so, so good. I This is not a question we prepped you for at all, but how has it been being a young woman entrepreneur in the financial world? How do, I mean, I'm sure that there's times that people just don't take you seriously. And how do you, and I think we actually have had a conversation about this maybe before, but I would love to hear how you deal with that. Yes. So my industry is primarily males, white males, which is fine. I love my co-advisors. They are awesome. Love working with guys. It just definitely makes a new challenge in terms of, like you said, Emma, people taking me seriously and wanting to work with me and believing in me despite that I'm young. And 
there's definitely been bumps along the way in regards to just comments people have made to me. But at the end of the day, if people aren't putting their full trust in me and believing in me and taking my advice, I can say no to them because yes, they hire me as an advisor, but I also have the power to say, do I want to work with you? And do I want to begin this relationship? So I think there's a lot of power in just being able to say no. And it's scary, especially in the beginning stages of business, because you feel like you have to take on everyone and all. But I think it says a lot about your character if you can say, I'm not going to work with you if you can't take me seriously. That's so cool and such a good piece of advice for so many business owners, in, especially as young female business owners. I know not all our listeners can relate to that, but it's you have that power too to, to make sure that you your services are taken seriously and that they know your worth and value your work just as much as you do. So I think that's really cool. And I think this leads in well to our next question because I think a lot of our listeners are small business owners and are married. So I think this is going to be cool to tie that together. Um, but what, why is it so important to have a financial plan when you're starting out a business? Like, let's try to catch some of these people either at the beginning of the process or maybe they're in the middle stages and how can they kind of reroute and rethink about the big picture? So I think it's really important to have a financial plan for two reasons. First reason is I think it gives you freedom. And part of your financial plan probably is going to have some kind of budget, whether that's super in detail or just, you know, how much expenses are coming out. Either way, I think it gives you a lot of freedom to be able to spend. And I think the best example I've heard of when talking about this freedom when it comes to financial plans is from Rachel Cruz. Rachel Cruz is Dave Ramsey's daughter. And Rachel Cruz once said that her and her husband went on this vacation. And her husband said to Rachel, Rachel, I want you to not worry about money on this vacation. Just go spend whatever. I don't want you to think about anything. Just enjoy it. Rachel's like, okay, you know, usually they have a budget. They they know how much is allocated towards each category. And she goes to order a drink and it's like a lemonade. And the bill comes out to $15 for this one lemonade. And she just panics because, oh my goodness, I just spent $15 on a drink. I know my husband doesn't want me to worry about money, but now all she's thinking about is what if I want another lemonade or I just spent, you know, and all of a sudden these thoughts start to really rack up where on the flip side, she said, if I just had a budget, maybe that looks like $500, right? I'm going and eating and drinking. It gives you so much freedom to be like, hey, I can spend that $15 on a drink. Okay, this just made me think of, I just listened to a podcast episode and I don't remember what it is, but it was talking about how sometimes when you give yourself boundaries and give your, like in this case, give yourself a budget or give yourself restraints a little bit, it actually gives you more freedom with your money or with your time or whatever it is. So that's probably, I feel like that's what she's getting at. Like sometimes it's so much better to do that so that you know I have plenty of money to spend or whatever it is. Yes. And so relating this back to business, I think that a financial plan can give you the freedom to splurge on 
you know, maybe for a photographer, maybe that new lens or reinvest into your business or just go and spend money on your business. Because like I said, in the beginning stages, you're kind of in this survival mode, right? And you don't know when you should spend money on your business to grow that or when to just save it. And and there's a lot of what ifs and, and when and timing. And that financial plan can really give you the freedom. Second thing is I think it can give you direction. So you'll be able to just develop a lot more realistic costs for your business. And, you know, looking at my business, so I get paid quarterly. So I am sitting down and reviewing my financial plan every quarter. And that helps me think of, okay, what is upcoming in this quarter? What direction do I need to take? Is there something abnormal for finances this quarter? Or like I said, do I want to reinvest this quarter? And so it really gives you a direction on where to go. And you've already developed what's important to you in that financial plan. So now you're just following that direction. That is so cool. And I'm almost a little jealous that you get paid quarterly because that really makes you step back instead of getting paid whenever your services are are complete it's kind of kind of crazy but i wondered we keep throwing out this word financial plan and i if i'm jumping in or interrupting your thought we can come back to this too but is a financial plan the same as a budget like does that more look this might be a dumb question but does it go from budgeting daily expenses all the way through planning for retirement or what does that look like especially when you're first starting out So I think financial plan is the big picture. Budget is one example of the financial plan. It's a zoomed in part of that picture. There's a lot of other parts of that overall picture. You know, budgeting's one. Retirement funds are another. Reinvesting for your business is another. There's lots of different parts. And I think the financial plan is that zoomed out in the overall, okay, here's what we should be doing now. Here's where we should be going. And your financial plan is probably going to look different depending on, you know, the growth of your company and your goals and how you define success. So it's almost like reverse engineering. So you come up with this plan that you're going to have for, I don't, I don't know what you necessarily recommend, but maybe it's, maybe it's a 10 year goal. Maybe it's a five year goal. Maybe it's one year goal, whatever it is. But then you start with that place and then give yourself the mile markers that you need to hit in the meantime. And that's kind of what the plan is. Am am I reading that right? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. That's so helpful. Okay. So if you are talking about creating this plan with your client, how do you kind of begin if someone is brand new, doesn't know where to start at all, maybe they don't even have goals. What do you think is most important when you're getting started on that journey? So I actually start on the life side of things even before we start with the business side of things. So if someone brand new is coming to me and saying, hey, here's my vision, or maybe I don't know my vision, but I'm in the beginning stages. What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? I actually start with life because I think business and life overlap a ton, especially when we're small business owners, right? Like this is our life in a way in the beginning. And I think defining what's important to you in life is going to naturally help define where we want our business to be. So I want your business to revolve around your life. I don't want your life to revolve around your business. And this is why I start with the life side of things. 
I'm just giving you all the praise hands right now because this is something, I swear this comes up in every episode, but it's so, so important to make, like, what do you want in life? And let's make your business work for that life, not the other way around. So I love that that's, even with money, that's that's where we start. So keep going. <laughs> and it's cool, I just to jump in, it's cool because this is why we're entrepreneurs, at least for me. This is why I wanted to get into this because there's no ceiling. Like when you're working that corporate job, you know you're only going to get maybe a $2,000 pay raise each year and then that defines what your life is and what you can afford. Where this is like, let's start big. Let's figure out what we want in our life. Then we can make those business goals and actually figure out how to get there on the business side. But then exactly what you're talking about is then how do we actually translate that into making it happen in the financial side? Yeah, absolutely. And so when we're starting on the life side of things, this often includes a spouse because I think it's just as important, even though maybe the end goal is to figure out what your business plan is. Again, if we're thinking about starting at the life side of things, if you have a spouse, their goals and their priorities matter just as much as yours. And maybe you guys haven't even had those conversations before or you haven't put them into words. And I find a lot of the times when I am working with new clients that things get brought up that they didn't even know the other person wanted or the other person thought was important. And so oftentimes it includes the spouse and we then dive into the business side of things after that life phase, which may just look like only you at that point. But again, life, then business. Okay. You brought up a really good point about mixing, you know, with marriage and business. So I run my own business. My husband now runs his own business, but there's been times where it was just one of us doing our own business. The other had a corporate type job or, or whatnot. And Sometimes it's hard to know how much to involve them in de- into your own business, um, how much they should know, how much weight they carry in decisions. I know this is probably different for, for each person, but it's like, you know, as the CEO of your company, you need to feel confident to make those decisions. But like your business is your life too, exactly what we're just saying. So how would you... I don't know. Let's just kind of talk on that because I think Emma and I relate on that level a lot. So that's a good point. There can be a lot of tension that comes along with maybe mixing the spouse's thoughts in your business's finances. And I want to talk about it in two separate ways. So we have the life side or the personal side, and then we have the business side. And just like how when I meet with new clients, I will encourage you guys to start with the life side. And there are usually two spouses, excuse me, one spouse that is the non-financial spouse, one spouse that is the financial spouse. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just one tends to really enjoy the Excel sheets. Like that word Excel to them is like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And then there's some, it's like, okay, I'm falling asleep next to you, uh, you know, in the chair watching you do this. And that is okay. And that is normal. But what I think needs to happen is a conversation for that non-financial spouse of, okay, how much do you really want to know? And then the financial spouse, if they're saying, I just want updates, understanding that they're not going to get so excited as you are about all these little details and realizing that's okay. And it doesn't mean they don't care. That's not it at all. You guys are just different and you think different. 
And I'm just going to throw this out there. I wrote a blog post, not to put a little plug in, but I did. <laughs> no, please put all the plugins because I'm about to go read this. This is exactly, okay. my husband literally has fallen asleep while we're talking about this yes. before, like actually. So. <laughs> so the blog post is called How to Communicate with Your Non-Financial Spouse. And it gives you some tips on, all right, you want to involve them and they do want to be involved. They want to feel appreciated and care, but how do you find that balance? And so kind of going back to your question, you have to figure that out on the personal side things first. So real example, I am definitely the financial spouse. You guys probably could have guessed that. And my husband is the non-financial spouse and he still likes to be involved. He is just not going to sit down and do all the little nitty gritty budget work with me. He could care less about that. However, at the end of the month or, you know, throughout the month, he likes little updates. Hey, how much do we have in savings right now? How are we doing on this category in our budget? If I can just give him those updates, he feels appreciated. He feels that he has a good handle on where we're at. And he doesn't feel overwhelmed or bored or drowning in all these details that I'm obsessing over. And so I think you have to figure that out on the personal side of things first before you can even begin talking about business side of things. So looking at the business side of things, maybe that looks like the same thing. Your spouse just wants an update. Hey, how much are we expecting to bring home this month from your business? Or how much are you planning on expenses for this month? Because I think it's one thing if we're talking about a business that's kind of in the accumulating stage. So if you are bringing in X amount a month, but you have X amount of expenses, you're only paying yourself this much, right? And if your spouse isn't seeing what those expenses are, they could be saying, how in the world are you only bringing home this much after expenses? And I think having that conversation and just showing them and not even saying, you know, asking necessarily for their input. And again, this is something you're going to have to talk with your spouse about, but just making them aware, I think can show a lot of appreciation, can show a lot of respect in the relationship, but it's going to look different for every single person. And just being open and honest is the biggest advice I could give. I think that we should all just realize that if you go to work with Leanne, she's also a marriage counselor (laughs) because this would save so many arguments. Oh, I love it so much. Um, Okay, something that you kind of dove into a little bit there is when you figure out what you're bringing home in your business. And I feel like this is something maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't think it is, but it gets really complicated when your business has ebbs and flows to it. Um, Like a lot of my business is pretty seasonal. I'm trying to make it less seasonal at the current time, but it's really hard to have both spouses being money fluctuating so much. So how do you suggest when people are trying to figure that out, how they start to go about, I guess they're budgeting with bringing money home and how you do that. Do you do you, like what we're, we've been doing right now, I guess, is we're just figuring out like the bare minimum what we need to be bringing home and kind of just split that depending on where we are in our business. But do you have any um, thoughts on that? Yeah. And I think that this is going to look different depending on where you're at in your business. So if you are just starting out, you took that leap and you know your work is going to be seasonal, 
but maybe you don't know what that income looks like throughout the months. You could guess what your busy months are and you know you can have a good estimate, but in all honesty, you're not gonna know until a little more time has passed. What's realistic? How much income more do you actually bring in during the busy seasons? Which I know isn't a fun answer, and I think that can be backed up with a lot of savings, right? If you needed to pay yourself during those slow months. But time is really going to give you a realistic outlook on, okay, here's how we can plan better. Now, if you are a few years in, you're in that accumulating stage, you know, here's some history, pretty consistent history on income and what that looks like each month. That's when you can really start to plan and say, okay, during the busy months, I'm going to set X amount aside to pay myself in the slow months. And you can really develop this consistent paycheck even throughout the year and just saying, here's my fixed paycheck amount. Here's what I need to put in savings from my busy months. And that can actually pay me my paycheck amount that I've decided during those slow months. And that can take some more planning. Like I said, you you need to have some background on income during those seasonal times, but you can really create this consistency within your business, which is pretty exciting, especially for seasonal workers, because it's hard. It's hard to have the ups and downs and not know if you're going to get a paycheck this month. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a wedding photographer here in Michigan. So it's really May through October, which are my busy months. So it's it's been exactly that. Those first couple years of you know, trying to figure it out. I don't know, but then being able to look back on, okay, this is what I can expect. And it's, I'm glad you said that because I didn't know if I was doing the right thing, but yeah, establishing that set paycheck amount and that's what you can expect. And then, you know, come the end of the year or tax time or, or whatever, when there is extra left, you know, I would like to be able to plan for what that extra is more so I could, you know, maybe invest more in my business throughout the year, but either that becomes, you know, a bonus type thing maybe, or, uh, you know, a chunk that you're investing in for the next year or that kind of thing. But yeah, that's exactly what we've been doing and that's been really helpful. So that's encouraging to know that that's the right thing. Um, You're doing good. (laughs) Good, good. I want to know, can we dive into the investing space a little bit? So the people who are, you know, maybe have that extra chunk of of savings left over from last year that they just are too scared to do anything with, what what would you recommend to people who are just starting out, learning about investing? Uh, you know, this could go into somewhat of a retirement type of an answer to wherever you want to take this. Yes. Yeah, so investing, especially as a small business owner or a business owner in general, it can seem kind of daunting because you don't have options that are just laid out for you. And it's just like, hey, I'm going to go to HR and here's my choice. It's not that easy. And so I think a lot of it falls on us to do research and to figure out, oh gosh, where do I even put my money? And I'm here for you guys if you need help because it really is a lot and it's going to look different for everyone, but important things for you guys to take away, especially if you are very new to investing, you're just trying to get used to this idea of setting money aside and trusting that it's, it's going to do its thing. 
keep in mind that if we're talking about retirement savings, this is long term. So if you can keep that in the front of your mind when the markets are going up and down, it's going to give you a lot of peace, just reminding you that you don't need this tomorrow. You don't need this a year from now, not even 10 years from now for most people talking about retirement. You need this, you know, 30, 40, 20, however long you have decades for this. And keeping that in mind is going to really help kind of rein in your emotions during the downside of the market. Because guys, ups and downs are just part of investing. It's not something to be scared about, more something to just be educated and to remember long-term is key. And I always think of the market and your timeline as a zoomed out picture. Zooming in, those downs can look really scary, but then when you zoom out, you realize that really it's just this little bump in the road. And again, long-term zooming out is what I would encourage all of you guys to have for a mindset. One question I would love to know, and I think that probably a lot of people listening would want to know, is investing something that you suggest people start with right away when they start their business. Or if you're in a space like my husband and I right now, where you're just kind of figuring out what your typical average, whatever paycheck looks like, should you wait for a while? You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is really going to look different for everyone. So I can't give like a cookie cutter answer because that wouldn't be giving you guys good advice, but there are a lot of different options out there in regards to what type of accounts you want to invest in, whether that's a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, a solo 401k, lots of different options out there. And there's ways that you can minimize taxes depending on the options. And you're going to have to talk to someone to give you, all right, here's what you need to do for your specific situation. And in terms of how much or do I wait? So how much is also going to depend on those goals and those priorities that we discover through our you know, initial financial planning meetings? Because maybe retiring retiring early is so important to you. Your parents did it. You see that they retired at 60 or 55 and now they're just traveling. Maybe that's what you want. But then there's other people who are like, you know, I, I really don't mind working. I'm fine with working and being able to travel more right now. And so depending on those goals and those priorities, that's going to determine how aggressive in terms of the amount you need to be saving, and when to start. But I will say, in a word of encouragement, is time is on your side. And there's this magical thing of compound interest. And I don't want to get too in the weeds and nitty gritty for new investors, but I think it's- Can we get a little nitty gritty on compound interest? Because my husband keeps talking about it and all these different accounts. Can we go there for like a hot second? (laughs) Selfishly. I think- I think we also like need to plan a podcast in the future that is specifically on this because I feel like we could go for so long. (laughs) Yes, compound interest is magical. And this is why I say time is on your side. So I'm going to give you a super simple example here and to put it in a tangible example for your heads and to wrap your mind around this. 
So let's say you put $100 in, okay, $100, and you earn 10% interest in one year, okay? So you earned $10 in interest. So now you have 110, right? You have the 100 that you put in, you have the $10 you put, you earn from interest. So now year two comes. You're gonna earn another 10% in interest, but you're not earning 10% only on the 100. You're earning it on the 110 that you've made. So now your compound interest is interest on interest. Okay, and so now let's say year two to kind of go with this, this example here, you have $110, you earn another 10%. Now you're at $121 come year three, and it just continues. So you can see how all of a sudden this interest starts building on interest and interest and interest. So compound interest really plays a huge role in long-term savings. And the only way you're going to get compound interest is with time. This is not going to magically just happen in one year where you're just going to earn a bunch from interest. It's going to build over time. And that's why I say time is on your side and compound interest is magical. So to start an account like that, what are, what are those accounts called? Where do you do that? Does it have to be through an advisor? My husband has answered this question four times. So let's just hope he doesn't listen to this episode because he's going to be like, Kelsey, you your brain. <laughs> so investing can happen in different kind of accounts, whether that's a Roth IRA, traditional IRA, a brokerage account. There's lots of different titles. Robinhood is that, you know, all of these different investing platforms, that is investing. That's what you're there for. And with an advisor, you're getting advice. So I always say, if you're going to DIY it, I just want you to be confident that you believe what you're doing and the advice that you're following, whether that's yourself or you're following something you read about, is going to accomplish your retirement goals. And if you're not confident or if you're doubting and you're just not sure, hire an advisor. This is their job. This is their profession. This is what they do every day. So there's kind of a, a sense of confidence there and how much you kind of want to bet on yourself in a way. Okay. So there's ways to do it. I got it. Okay. I agree. That can be a whole other episode we could go way deep in, but that helps my brain understand the paths to it. Kelsey, are you the financial spouse or is Malachi? You know, <laughs> complex answer. Um, <laughs> I honestly am more like I pay the bills. I keep track of all the things. But when it gets to this level of stuff, um, you know, it's kind of a team effort. And he leads the, the pack on that stuff more. Because in my past, I had a corporate job who they did all the 401k stuff. And I was just like, whatever, cool, it's growing. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what's happening. Where now I want to own it more for myself and in this business. So that's why it's, it's a very fresh conversation in our house. Can I touch on that? Add on that Please. a second? So I think this is something important to realize for business owners because Kelsey, like you said, those corporate jobs, you literally just sign up for something and you don't have to think about it. And your money gets taken out of your paycheck to contribute, for example, for the 401k. It gets taken before you even see it in your bank. So it's kind of like this out of sight, out of mind thing. 
And when we are business owners and we're choosing to invest, we are seeing that come out of our bank account or we are making a decision to, I'm going to go set this up with an advisor. I'm going to contribute this much a month. And it's very in the forefront of our mind where I think that can make us hesitant to do it. Or you could say, oh, I could be spending this money on my business or paying myself this. And it becomes this hurdle that you have to mentally get over. Because like I said, the 401k side, you don't think about it. You're not constantly seeing it come out of your bank account, where I think that kind of helps people save. And it's a lot easier to save because you're not thinking about it all the time, which there's pros and cons to that, which we could get into later. But that is something as business owners, we mentally need to realize about ourselves and to encourage ourselves to overcome that because time is on our side. We need to still save. Retirement is just as important for us as it is for the corporate employers. It's so true. It is such a mental hurdle to get over, but I can see that when you do, you it has to be that CEO mindset and it, you have to get past that. Every dollar coming in is my dollar that I earned. And, and I mean, that goes into a whole nother conversation on pricing even too for service providers and that kind of thing and thinking about it in that sense versus just like, what is my hour worth too? Because it is such a bigger, bigger thing. So I appreciate you jumping into that further. I would like to know, first of all, one, if there's anything we missed that you wanted to talk about, feel free to add that in here. And also if there's any specific I don't know if there's any books or podcasts or speakers that you really align with that have, you know, taught you or that you recommend to your clients um, on a financial standpoint. Yeah, actually, there are a few tips that I would love to share with the listeners on just where to begin and what to focus time and money and energy on. And there's going to be a couple things here. So again, relating back to the life side and the personal side, I want you guys to focus on developing healthy financial intimacy with your spouse. And maybe listeners, you're not married or this isn't even something you have to deal with right now. That's okay. But if you are married or you have a significant other that you do finances with, financial intimacy is going to naturally relate into your business world and be able to talk about the business finances with your spouse. It's not just going to magically happen on the business side if you don't have it on the personal side. And I wrote a blog post on this and it's five tips to stop fighting over money. So you guys will have to check that out. If this is something where you're like, hey, I want to improve this and my spouse and I just can't seem to get on the same page. This is something that's going to be able to help you. And on the energy side, so where to focus your energy side, I always say in in the business side of things, Focus on building real, raw relationships. This is key, especially for just starting your business, because guys, this is a cheap way to do it. You can literally buy someone a cup of coffee and just listen to what they have to say. If it's someone who is farther down the road than you and you're just asking advice or tips on how to grow your business, or maybe you're meeting with potential clients and just wanting to understand how they think better and how you can maybe reach out to them and reach out to that group more and understand them a little bit better. So energy, I would say focus on building relationships. And then 
the money side of things. So where to focus your money. So I'm going to break this down into three different business stages. So let's first talk about before starting. You haven't even started the business, but you have this business idea. For money, I want you to determine if you need additional income in the beginning. Because additional income, I think, is looked down upon. Maybe if you have a second job or you're doing shift or whatever that looks like. But I don't think it has to be looked down on. You guys are in the beginning stages and you don't want to be stressed about money, especially, like I said, on the personal side of things, because that's going to overlap into stress in your business. So decide if you need additional income. Also, I'd encourage you guys to increase your savings and emergency funds and talk about what realistic income looks like with your spouse. And maybe you need to go and ask people who were in your boat, what does that realistic income look like? And getting a better picture is going to just help be more candid and to be on the same page with your spouse when it comes to the business side of income. Talking to the beginning stages, you've taken that leap and all right, you're here, you're starting your business, you're kind of just in this survival mode and maybe your money just looks like paying the bills. That's it. You're not reinvesting. You don't have a lot of expenses. You're just trying to make up the lost income from maybe leaving your corporate job. And I want to say that's okay and that's normal and that's part of the beginning stages. And then lastly, in that growing and accumulating stage, I would say define your business plan, define that financial plan for your business because you have a better idea of what those expenses are, what reinvesting actually looks like for you. And if you don't have a financial or business plan yet, I would encourage you to establish that, whether that's by yourself, with me, with another business owner who's in a similar stage as you, just establish one if you don't have one. And explore what reinvesting looks like, and maybe you take that leap and start reinvesting into your business. So those are some tips I would say. And Kelsey, do you want me to dive into kind of my resources for listeners? Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. And just, I really appreciate you breaking that down into steps because I think it's important, like you said, asking people in a similar boat what to expect. Um, Because that's not always the clearest thing of, okay, I'm a full-time wedding photographer shooting 30 weddings. What does that really even look like and add up to? How much are expenses typically? And if you can find somebody to ask those kind of questions to, whether it's a mentor in that industry or whatnot, it, it so helps you just visualize that and understand it better instead of living in this dream world of, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire someday. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we'll get there. (laughs) So yeah, we'd love to hear uh, your books or podcasts or resources that you love. Yes. So for those of you who are wanting just a better understanding of investing and what to look out for in the financial world, I'm going to recommend the book Unshakable by Tony Robbins to you guys. One resource that I would have if you're like, hey, I want to improve my communication with my spouse. I want to have better financial intimacy, emotional intimacy, all the intimacies you can think of. My favorite podcast, I listen to this all the time, is the Fierce Marriage Podcast. They are amazing. And I really do encourage you guys to just grow your marriage. And you're going to see some amazing things because it's naturally going to improve that financial intimacy. And then 
for kind of the the go-getters, the ones who want to really take a leap in their business and succeed and see the results of that hard work. There's two books that I want to recommend. The first one is The One Thing by Gary Keller. And this is all about achieving extraordinary results by doing one thing. And I actually just dove into this book on another podcast that I was on. It's called The Real Talk with Aubrey DeVisser. But if you want like a sliver of this book and kind of what it's all about, I'd encourage you to check it out. But the book is honestly amazing and it will light a fire under your booty. I promise. (laughs) And then the last book is The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. And it's all about the secret to success is giving. That's all I'm going to say because it's amazing. So those are some resources for all you listeners. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those. I'm going to check out every single one of them. (laughs) And just for all you listeners, we are going to be having all these resources in the show notes. So if you just miss something, don't worry, you can find it. Um, But that was a great list. So Okay, I kind of want to dive into a little bit of our wrap-up, but we have a couple questions that we like to ask everyone um, as we're kind of ending things. But we would love to know, what's your best piece of advice or the best piece of advice you have gotten when starting your own business or maybe you just have a good piece of advice, whatever. (laughs) So the best piece of advice that I have been given is it's the activity during the troughs that bring the growth and the business peaks. The activity you do now brings success later. And if you guys aren't in the business stages yet and you're just in the beginning or you're thinking about taking that leap, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm telling you the truth that there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be super, super busy seasons or those peaks. And there's going to be super slow times where you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, like, do I even have any business? Like, am I doing the right things? Why am I so slow? Why is my to-do list look like nothing? And that is where this advice comes in is what you do during those downtimes are going to bring the success later. So I would encourage you all, this is what I do. I literally make a list of what to do when I'm slow, but do it before you're slow because when you're slow, you don't think about those things. You're, or you just like get wrapped it up and like, oh my gosh, I have nothing to do. And so make a list. I have my list and it is literally printed and taped on my wall because it's like, all right, when I'm slow, here's where I turn. And this is what's going to bring success and get that growth back up. That is such a good tip. Such a good tip. I'm going to go do that right now. And I think honestly, piggyback on that too, that's kind of the beauty of entrepreneurship is that there are these slow times sometimes. And maybe something that's important to do during that slow time is take a break also. I think that a lot of people, myself included, are not super great at that. <laughs> awesome. All right. One more question before we dive into our little rapid fire ending questions. would love to hear what you are most excited for in your business coming up. And that can be next week, next month, next year, whatever it is. What are you most excited for? So I don't have a definite timeline on this. I would say maybe next year, hope for next year. But I am in the midst of creating some free virtual courses for newlyweds and engaged couples, as well as small business owners and just that starting point. 
And so this is something I've never done before, but I'm so excited to just start digging into this and recording and getting this out to people and and having this free resource out and available for people who just want to know how to even start the financial process. That's so exciting. You will be so good at that. And I think that it's so hard to sort through who to trust in these kind of things, who to listen to, and you've just established yourself as a very trusted voice. And I think that um, it's just going to be so needed and so loved by by anyone who learns from you. So good for you. Yay. Thank you. I'm excited. Good, good, good. Okay, so one of my favorite parts of each podcast episode are our fun little rapid fire questions. So I'm going to just hit you with them, and the first thing that comes to mind, we'll, we'll kind of jump right through them. Sound good? Yes. Okay, this one I'm interested to hear from your end, but do you have a favorite business software? Oh, gosh. Or tool? <laughs> I know. Your world is very different oh. from ours. It is, but I love Canva. I use Canva all the time, even in the financial world, guys. I love it. What? Money can be That's what I said for mine, too. That's so funny. I love it. (laughs) That's great. Oh, okay. Second one. This is a new ad. Do you know what your Enneagram number is? Yes, I'm a number one. (laughs) That makes sense. That that makes sense for your job. That's good. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Very cool. Okay, um, next question. How many, if any, sticky notes are out on your desk? Oh, okay. Or are you a notebook person and have 500 notebooks stacked up on your desk? I am a notebook person. I have my notebook and my planner and some other notebooks. But (laughs) I have zero sticky notes on my desk right now, which actually there's always usually one. (laughs) Love it. I love it. Only one. Um, okay, if you could fly anywhere anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Like you don't have to work next week and all of a sudden you're totally free and no one cares where you go. And like money isn't a thing. Yes. <laughs> of of course. course you would ask that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um oh gosh, I'd fly to Greece. That's my answer. Someone else said that. Didn't we have someone mm-hmm. else say Greece? Have you been before? Yeah, no, I have not. But like just the the blue waters and the little like white architecture, you know, like, you know what I'm thinking? Like that is just flying over that. And then I could just land there for a day or two and, oh yeah, you know, sit by the pool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this sounds like a dream. Okay. How many unread emails are in your inbox right now or on a typical day? <laughs> on a typical day? Oh no, I read all my emails. I have all folders for every mm. single email. <laughs> Oh, can yes, I hire I you know. for that? I'm not judging. I'm jealous. <laughs> oh, awesome. All right. And then how many beverages are out on your desk? And what are they? I have just one water with some lemon. <laughs> You're such a one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I answer these questions. I'm like, oh, my. Yep. So maybe funny. I love it. Maybe Emma, we need to start with rapid fire so people could just yes. get a full picture of who we're we're kidding. Yeah, to. for real. <laughs> I love it. Or I think we fully we should <laughs> we should add the ask the Enneagram rapid fire last. That way we can guess what it is first <laughs> or at the end. There you <laughs> go. Funny. Anyways. Oh my gosh. Uh, this was so, so good, Leanne. Thank you so much for joining us and dropping all your wisdom. So much, 
so much good words and advice. So I'm sure our listeners are just going to love this. I would love for you to kind of just plug yourself. Where can people find you? Yeah. So thank you so much for having me on here. It has been a blast and hopefully I was able to just give out some good information and it all made sense. But if you guys are wanting to connect, you can go to our company's website. It's for fiduciary, F-O-R-F-I-D-U-C-I-A-R-Y.com, for fiduciary.com. And you can go and find me under team and connect with me. I'm on Facebook. And if you guys are wanting to do an introduction call, I would love to give the foyer listeners a complimentary half an hour introduction call where we can just understand your situation a little bit better and figure out what those next best steps look like for you. And so there will be a calendar link where you can schedule directly on my calendar to set up that introduction call. And I would just love to get to know you guys. Even if you're like, does it even make sense to work together? We can talk about that in the intro call. And I'm just so excited to meet you guys. And like I said, that link will be in the show notes, but that's where you can find me, website, Facebook, and schedule your intro call. Awesome. Thank you so much, Leanne. This has been so good. You guys, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss anything. Maybe leave us a nice little review. Find us on Instagram, all the things. We are so excited and we will see you next time.